In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every other Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Hi everyone, Dana Childs is an intuitive energy healer and speaker who inspires and helps people to cultivate self-awareness. And today on A Psychic Story, we are going to speak with her about how God fits into the psychic world and the difference between good and evil or the light and shadow. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Nicole. I'm I'm glad I'm on here. Of course, of course. And I follow you on Instagram and I've been very inspired by your work. And, you know, I went on your website and learned a little bit more about you, obviously, before we were able to talk here today. But for the listeners who may not be familiar with you or your work, if you wouldn't mind sharing your background and how you got to where you are today. I did grow up sort of all over the Southeast and moving a lot because my dad was a football coach. But I tended to do that sort of same track of I graduated, I started um, teaching and I was teaching and then I got into banking. And while I was banking, it was such a, um, a male dominated industry, but I felt powerless in a lot of ways. And so to cope with that, I started doing yoga. And then I went to yoga teacher training. And what ended up happening was all these weird gifts started opening and I didn't really understand what it was. There was a year, a few years after I graduated college where I studied the chakras. So I knew basically what they were, but it wasn't in my everyday you know, realm of experience or my everyday thought processes. And then I suddenly, so at this point, fast forward, I've done this yoga teacher training. I live, I was living by myself and I started seeing shadow figures in the home. I started having, you know, nightmares often. And it, it dawned on me like, these are deceased people. You know, this is, this is spirit. Like this is real. This is really happening. And so I started calling around to really find someone who could help me understand the world. You know, what was going on? How did I, how could I, you know, help open these gifts and and really train myself? And it was odd because no one knew anyone. Like I just kept hitting dead ends. And meanwhile, my personal life, which I find often happens in spiritual openings and awakenings, but my personal life was really unwinding. I was making bad choices, you know, not healthy choices. And I was really, really unhappy. So I had a conversation with my dad, actually. And I said, I just, I want to be done. Like, I want to send back the keys to my house. I don't want to own a house. I just want everything to stop. And I came up with these 10 different things I could do. Start a yoga studio, go back to massage, you know, school. Because I knew that I was a healer in some way. I just didn't understand how. And then the last thing I put on the list, because I was so frustrated, was give up everything, sell everything, and travel the world. And when I read that out loud, Very Wayne Dyer of you. (laughs) Right? I mean, I just was like, why not at this point? And when I read it to my dad, he said, well, that sounds good. And I thought, I said, actually, dad, that's crazy. Blank, blank, it's crazy. I'm in my 30s. I have what people want, you know, the nice job, the dog, the house, the car. And he just said, yeah, but how happy are you? And I was so unhappy in that breakdown space. And he said, you know, it's stuff. Like, it's just stuff. You can buy it back. But now travel the world while you're untethered. Like, do whatever it is that you really want to do. And I did. My house in the middle of the economic downtown was 2008, right? It sold in six days. Uh, it was really quick. And then I booked a one-way ticket to India. And I traveled 
all over, um, you know, India. I did Bali and Indonesia. I did Thailand, um, Australia, you know, the Philippines. I did a lot of places in there. And as I was traveling, I just paid attention to anything I wanted to learn or anything that drew me. So I took classes in Reiki and crystal healing and shamanic practices past life reading Akashic records. And when I landed on the island of um, Bali, I happened to meet a man who was a trained medium and he trained me. Basically, he just said, you're supposed to be doing this. Why aren't you doing this? And I said, I don't even know how to do this. And he said, you're supposed to learn from me. So I would drive my little motorbike uh, every Tuesday over to his place and we would sit in circle and be trained. And that just opened a whole different world. So when I came back six months, you know, six months later, no, was it six months? It was a year and a half. Sorry, it was a year and six months. I was going to say six months. That's That would be a world <laughs> whirlwind trip. That was a whirlwind. Yeah, it was a year and six months. And then when I came back, some of my friends had asked me, you know, what are you doing? What did you learn? And I would show them. And at the time, I was doing mostly oracle cards. And spirit would sometimes come through. Um, and they kept sending me people, one person after the next, after the next. And I realized, oh, this is where I'm meant to be, what I'm meant to be doing. Um, I've since retired from mediumship um, and, and focused more on energy, healing, and shamanic practices. But it was a crazy time and a fascinating story. But it was that just pay attention to my heart and where I feel led and what I feel interested in. And then the doors just started opening. That's an amazing story. And I think also too, how blessed were you to be able to travel the world, especially given nowadays where we can't, right? And just have those experiences. Yeah. I'm curious, when you were little, did you, or younger, I should say, did you have any sort of like experiences or anything that would, you know, have given you indication that you were a little bit more sensitive and, and intuitive? Yeah. So I didn't ever recognize it at the time. But looking back, I did. You know, I was raised in the South, so it's Bible Belt and Baptist. So there's a lot of restriction around what you can open up to or what you can't. And it wasn't, my parents weren't strict. We didn't even really go to church often, nothing like that. But it was just sort of integrated in the way of thinking that something outside was evil, something outside of what God is or church is is bad. Um, so I wasn't really open. When I look back, there was a year we lived in a house because um, we would rent and we would move every year. And we lived in this house, and I remember not allowing my feet or arms to be outside of the blankets because something was in the room. I remember feeling things in the room, and I was probably four or five years old. And so these things would happen. Uh, when I reconnected with high school friends, middle school, high school friends, they said, well, we always knew you just knew more than you said. <laughs> and I thought, but I didn't even realize I knew more than I said, but I did. You know, I did. And then when I was teaching school before everything opened, because I was a eighth grade school teacher. I love my little eighth graders. Um, when I was teaching school, I remember I would know what the kids needed. I would know what they were feeling. I would know intuitively how to teach them what they needed to learn. And I remember the vice principal asking me one day a kid's name. She had pointed across the cafeteria and asked me a kid's name. And I blurted out a name. And, and the, when the vice principal called the girl's name and she turned around, I was so overcome. I had to walk away because I literally did not know who that child was. I did not know her name. It just came out of my mouth. And so then I started piecing together all of these puzzle pieces that had been you know, acquiring throughout my life. And I, when I look back, I can see it. But when I was in it before everything really opened, I didn't see it. I didn't have the knowledge or the memory of it. Yeah, you and I have a lot of parallels because my dad isn't, well, was, he's retired now in the hospitality business. And so not being an army brat, but very similar. I'd moved like over 20 times before I was in college. So there wow. was that. Yeah. And also just talking about how um, your parents were, you know, they were religious, but they weren't necessarily strict by it. That was the same thing within my household. So it's great that your father also, when you were older, and you said, hey, I want to travel the world, but isn't that kind of crazy that he said, no, do it. Why not? Because I think that sometimes those, well, not I think, I know that when we are not just in our childhood, but in our adulthood, our family and friends and how they support us is just becomes even more important than ever. And it kind of helps catapult us into that development. And you mentioned too, like um, what I call her, I've been taught the dark night of the soul, that a lot of us yeah. that are, <laughs> yes, yeah, so want that spiritual awakening 
go through something either traumatic, mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, sometimes, unfortunately, all of it at once or what have you, because it forces us to grow. So is that why you also like have, you know, shifted from the mediumship practices and and services into more of that intuitive energy healing and, and spiritual guidance? Yeah. So, well, the dark night of the soul, I think we make a mistake sometimes and we think that we just have one. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, once I've been through it, now I'm good. And I don't think that's actually quite the way it works. I think we have those periods and those dark nights when there's major growth to be done. So, you know, leaving my way of life in the corporate world, that was certainly a dark night of the soul. And leaving mediumship wasn't as much of a dark night of the soul as it was a type of fatigue that set in. What I would realize is I would, because I was doing energy healing and mediumship appointments and I would keep them separate. And I noticed that when I was looking at my book to see what kind of appointments I was doing, I would feel like a sense of dread in my body when I looked at the mediumship piece. And my body was becoming really fatigued because the way I work is super physical so to validate, it wasn't like a, a deceased person would appear before me and I, they would tell me their name and I would just be talking to them. It was more of they would come into my body and I would relive their death. And so in any given day, I might have a heart attack or be shot in the head, which is really uncomfortable, might I say, um, or you know, die from infection or grow cancer through the body. And so it was my body processing these on an energetic level day in and day out was really exhausting. And so I really stepped back from the mediumship to give my body a little bit more love and a break. And I have since, you know, said to spirit, if you don't come to my body, like you're just not allowed. But if you want to just tell me something, you can do that. You know, you can show up. And so every now and then in session, there'll be a spirit that pops in and talks that way. Um, but yeah, it was more less of dark night of the soul leading mediumship and more a break for my body and a recognizing on an intuitive level what I need and desire to be healthy and happy. Yeah, no, and that totally makes sense. I guess the way I was looking at it too was, because you've been through it. And um, especially if you can experience the mediumship and other aspects of people's lives, then it also gives you that much more of a foundation of success and insight to be able to, you know, coach people and give them that Mm -hmm. guidance. Mm -hmm. The mediumship part of my life was super valuable. I mean, it was amazing to develop the skills to help hold people in grief and walk them through because that's what I realized for me, mediumship was was doing. It was less a, a pure form of proof of life after death, although there was that element. And it was more about helping people heal their grief um, and their sadness from that relationship and the loss of it in the physical realm. I have not done the mediumship to where you're talking about it. Um, normally, if I if I get messages, it's because spirit will give them to a loved one and wants that to be passed along. But mm. luckily I haven't had to go through like the physical or even the emotional aspect of things. But, and having gone through grief myself and losses, I've noticed that you can't put a time limit on it, but there no. is a, there is a, a good aspect of when you are able to talk to someone who can communicate with the other side because you're so grief stricken. Sometimes you can't get those messages. Yeah. Um, you're not yourself. And so you have to kind of <laughs> go to another person. And then through that, the healing process, I want to say it fast tracks. It just really, truly helps it grow in a much more loving way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I so agree with that. I had people who would come and they would be stuck for years in grief. And I still do grief work with the energy healing. Um, but I would have people who were just stuck for years and Somehow they'd find out about me and they'd come and I mean, I would get, you know, feedback. They would be like, oh, I, I feel so, I feel so different. This is so helpful. Yeah. And speaking of that, I think that's actually a good segue into God. <laughs> and I was really intrigued when we were going back and forth about what kind of topics or things that we really wanted to discuss. And and the biggest thing that I haven't really gone into depth about is God. And Before I get into your kind of belief system and everything, when I was little, you know, again, my parents, my mom's Catholic, my dad, um, I want to say he's Baptist or Methodist. Honestly, I don't know clearly because it wasn't a a truly like religious household, but we were very spiritual. And there was just something in my being where I didn't necessarily believe in God as like sitting on a throne and, you know, he was very all dominant from that standpoint, or if it was a he or she, I just felt um, a sense of there was a a continual energy source that was right. loving and it was guiding us um, 
spiritually and not to be able to put it in words as a child, but knowing that and I inherently believed it, I still, that's part of my spiritual uh, you know, belief. So that said, I'd love to hear from you, like when, so, and also when we refer to God in this discussion for people that are listening, because they may have a different, you know, frame of reference or frame of mind Mm -hmm. for right word. We're talking about, at least in my opinion, the, whatever that, that is that you believe in, that's in a true love and light um, fashion and, and vibration. Right. That higher power sort of entity. Yeah. So my, okay. I love this topic um, because for me, it's an, it's an evolution. Like it's continually changing and shifting. And so I did, you know, I grew up and it was like, God's on a cloud and he's going to judge you if you're good or bad. You know, like Santa Claus, like we learn about Santa Claus. Um, you know, if you're naughty, you're going to go here. And if you're good, you get rewarded. And so I did grow up with that sort of understanding or that belief. And then I don't remember when it was that that started just not holding any value for me, but I moved into more of um, God or the energy of God, you know, Buddha, Allah, the universe, whatever word that is, but as being more unconditional, like there is no judgment. That's a human trait. Mm -hmm. Humans are judgmental. God is actually not. Our egos are judgmental. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I, I remember being in college and my mom had a good friend of hers. They'd been, they'd been friends forever. And this friend had gone through like a religious sort of, I don't know if you call it an awakening, a religious movement in her own self. I'll say it that way. And so she basically had really, as she said, it found Jesus, right? Found Christ. And she was talking about my sister. So I have a couple sisters and one of them can be a little bit difficult to, you know, deal with. <laughs> and that's putting it mildly. But my my mom's friend said, well, if she doesn't like do her work and get on the right side of things, you know, she better find Jesus because if she if she dies, she's not going to be able to find Jesus. And as she said it, I in my head that logical part of me kicked in, and I just said, "Well, why not?" And she goes, well, "What do you mean, why not? That's the way it works." And I said, "But why would why would Jesus or God stop forgiving people just because they're dead?" And of course, my mom was like, Dana, you be quiet. (laughs) I was always trying to start. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a complicated discussion and topic. Spiritual argument. (laughs) Um, And and so we ended the conversation, but it just always stuck with me. And I thought, that's not, humans are judgmental. And you go back to sort of times of, and I'm not saying church is bad at all, but you go back to sort of times when church was in power in those days, it was more about tithing and money and power than it was about the healing. It was a point in history when that shifted. And so at this point, I just sort of recognizing, I don't think God's judging. I think humans are judging. And I think humans create fear to have power over people and to do what they want or give money or whatever it is that they need. And so when I started shaping it up like that, it felt really comfortable in my own skin to have God as this energy that was unconditional, that was pure love. And that felt really right and true to me. And so that was probably, you know, 15 years ago that I started stepping more into that. And then I started seeing it as, you know, God is, is wanting to hold us, wanting to be with us all the time, loving us no matter what we're doing. So this loving sort of parental figure that is with us all the time. And just within the past year, I started to even reframe it again. And I think this is something that will continually evolve for me. But I started to reframe it again as, what if God is not actually outside of ourselves? If it is an energy and it runs through all of us, then we all have the power, should we choose it, to be in pure light and therefore be a beacon of source. And so, and it, and even when I started playing with the idea, I got a little bit frightened because I'm like, oh, is that blasphemy? And you know, is that, what am I doing? <laughs> right. Cause those old views kind of creep in. They just do. But the more I see it, I kind of frame it up like responsibility. Cause I think sometimes it's easy to say, well, God doesn't want that. So I'm not going to do it. You know, or God's not, God's not going to lead me that way. I'm not going to do it. And I think sometimes putting it on God as an outside entity can be a way of shifting or shirking responsibility. And so if we tap into like, we are sources, we all have this divine spark. If we are source, we are that light. 
It's how we choose to align with it that allows us to be responsible, responsive, loving, or not. Yeah, and I don't feel like what you said was blasphemous. I know some some people may think that. I don't feel that way. My truth is looking at, you know, even the saying that God created man in his own image or in the image of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's because we all have that that inherent, that spark, like you said, that God source within us. Mm-hmm. We're not all-knowing and all-powerful like God because each of us, it's like a puzzle piece that fits into this larger energy source and vibration. And that's how we're all connected and why it's important when we, instead of looking outward, we look inward to heal ourselves because when we heal ourselves, we we heal others, we heal the world. We're solving those things. And we are, you know, I, I came across um, something on Instagram a while back. I'll see if I can find it and post it, but it was something like you have a pilot that, you know, you trust the pilot who flies the plane you trust the Uber driver who's driving you mm-hmm. the car, mm-hmm. all of these things, but yet you don't trust in God or trust in the universe to drive your life or help you right. um, direct and guide. And so we are in that moment a lot of times, like you just said, is, you know, looking inward. Right. It is. And I think, you know, I think we also get into faith. You know, what are we having faith in and what is faith? Is faith taking action or is faith leaning back? Um, and I think faith changes, you know, dependent on our view of God or our relationship with God in the moment. I went through a period last year where I didn't have a partner. I don't have a partner. And, but I thought, well, I really like one. So I made God my partner. And anytime I would, you know, journal and say, you know, how you journal out feelings like this person makes me upset or I miss this person. I wish I had this person in my life. I would go back through and replace all the names with God. Wow. And then I would evaluate my relationship with God based on how I was relating to everyone else, what I was pinning there. And then I would, when I would go on walks, like walking my dog, I would just hold my other hand out and I would just imagine God walking on the street with me. Like, what are we talking about? You know, what is he saying? What does he have to say to listen to? How is he listening to me? How am I listening to him? And it was this deepening of that connection to God um, within myself, but it's, of my own creation, right? It's my ideas about God that then solidify my peace within myself and my trust and my faith and then being able to turn over some of the power and control issues that might surface because I am trusting this this driver. You know, I'm trusting the universe, trusting God, aka trusting myself to be able to know and feel when to push forward or when to slow down. And you say something really important that it's faith. That word really resonates because there's religion, there's spirituality. You can put a lot of definitions on things, but just like you said, that's the trust and the faith and and you feeling your own truth. So you're speaking your truth. I'm speaking mine. It might not necessarily be 100% aligned with what others are feeling and that's okay. But ultimately, especially in our line of work, when we're you know, doing energy healings or we're doing all these other things because as human beings <laughs> living or spiritual beings, right. I'd like to say living on earth and a human and in human body is that we do have those influences and the judgments and other things that we were taught as we were growing up. And so it's hard for us to sometimes release that and um, not just get back to our, our core selves. Yeah. And I, and I feel like, you know, I mean, we are these like, bottles of stardust put in a meat sack, you know, to sit down here. And then what if like, I'm not saying this is what it is, but what if we're, you know, coming to earth and God's like, hey, you're going to forget about me. And then I want you to you know, find your way back. What are you going to find this time? What are you going to journey along the way? What's going to come in? What's going to go out? And so this whole journey is we start it with separation, right? Quite physically, the cutting of the umbilical cord. And then we're sort of dumped out. And then it's like, okay, now you don't remember anything. Now go through and like find your way to me again, because I want all the richness that comes from inside of you as you're journeying and navigating, you know, how much, how much better well-rounded you are, how much more compassion you can hold, how much more, you know, pride you can know when to let go of and when to have and love, like all of those things. If it's what if every lifetime is a journey to God in some way, shape or form through the self. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it reminds me of a lot of different types of sayings, but like when you break an arm, that bone becomes stronger, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's not weaker. 
And so we never said it was going to be easy. Right. <laughs> those of us that are here are here for a reason. Um, and I believe a lot of times those reasons are just to learn and to grow spiritually, like you're saying. And I love that, that it's just a beautiful way of thinking about it, that kind of embracing, I don't want to say the pain, but embracing all the experiences because it really is truly a journey to become your better self and your better you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, another thing about God that I think about a lot is I do believe that when we're born and we're growing up, we create God in the image of human rather than the other way around. Because what ends up happening is if we have, let's say we have a, an abandoning father and a mom who's too depressed to listen to us. So then our view of the father and the mother, capital F, capital M, is they're abandoning and they don't have time for us. So then our relationship to God might be, well, I don't expect God to do it. I'm going to have to do it all. Or, well, God won't have time to like really get to know me. Why would he have time to get to know me? Right? So I do think that based on our experiences provided by our caregivers at early ages, I do think those color our relationship with God. And so I would just sort of ask for anyone listening or anyone who's working on that relationship or interested in just the idea of God in general, just to think about what you think of God and then to go back honestly with honest eyes to your childhood and see how your parents showed up and see what similarities are there. Yeah, no, I... I probably have some work to do on that with that exercise myself, just because I was just thinking as you were saying it, and I was like, I can see the parallels there. And, you know, we're we're not perfect. Um, you know, our parents aren't, we're not, but we, you know, we can learn from those experiences. And that's a really good exercise for people to look at and see how it's been impacting them and that you may not necessarily even realize that it has been. So... Yeah, well, we, and when we do it that way, we make it personal instead of subscribing to the dogma that happens where we go, oh, I've got to believe this or I've got to believe that or this is wrong or that's wrong because this book tells me so or this person told me so. We get to really personalize our own relationship. And it takes us out of that victim kind of mm-hmm. stage too mm-hmm. or that mindset that, you know, I had to at one point, I think it was like last year, maybe, yeah, some, at one point I was like, oh my God, I'm so sick of myself. Just as far as like complain, I didn't realize how much in my head, as much as I was trying to be positive and in gratitude and all these other things that I was just negative, not necessarily thinking about it. Right. So it was just a mind shift of that. And sometimes it, it's helpful to find those exercises or those other things of, and how you can reframe it to apply it to your life and get out of that kind of victim stage of things and how it also puts you back into the the driver's seat. I mean, it empowers you, not necessarily from a control standpoint, but that you feel like you, again, are empowered in embracing your life and this journey that you're going on. I'm curious, so we're talking about God, what your what your definition or how you would describe then angels or guides and your spirit guides, because I have my thoughts, I've talked about it a little bit on the show, but everyone's a little bit different um, in how, you know, they they work with angels or guides and approach that? Yeah. So um, this is just like based on my experience of, you know, the re- countless readings and, and energy work and all that good stuff I've done. I will first, I always go to source first, like pure source and then allow God to deliver or the great one, right? The great being to deliver whatever help is needed instead of like, Oh, I'm going to ask my angels or I want to ask my spirit guides. I always go straight to source and let source deliver. Um, and then I view angels as like my experience of them is that they've never been human. They're very, very, very much a different energy. So they don't have that divine spark that humans have, which I think is why they want to help us because we have that God spark in us. So I view them as they feel really different. And I view them as they swoop in and save the day. You know, they want to give healing. <laughs> they have to be asked. They, they don't just do it willy-nilly. Like they really have to be to ask to do it or allowed, granted permission to do, you know, whatever it is that we want them or need them to do or whatever they want to do. And there there are a couple who have been here, and I think that Sandalphon and Metatron are the two angels that I'm aware of who have had a human experience, but for the most part, it's a very different energy. And then spirit guides, so we call, I, I like angels get sent, right? Or if you choose to call on them, when it's like, whisk me away, help, don't ask questions. You know what I, you know what I mean? And the <laughs> guides 
I feel like they have been human. They have all had a human experience. And in my experience, they have specialties. So I feel like they have these specialties of be it medicine or be it energy healing or be it rocks or be it, you know, the business industry or technology or doctoring Western, you know, ways. Whatever these are, they have their specialties because they've lived and they've kind of cultivated that bigger purpose and who they are. And so then they choose to guide those who they align with in purpose. And I think that our guides can change depending on what we're interested in, studying, or the phase of our life that we're in. Um, Do we get one guide that really sticks with us throughout our life? Probably. I do think we have a guardian angel that's, you know, ours for the boots. Um, But I think that we have also a spirit guide that's probably sent to us in our life to help us achieve that purpose, like through that knowledge of what our purpose actually is, even if we don't know it. And then I think the guards change from spirit guides, but I think they've been human. Um, And then I think there are all kinds of other realms of helper beings that we that we may not know, you know, know about or be aware of to call on different energies, be it fairies or gnomes or dwarves or dragons or whatever that is. I think they all have their own healing elements that they can add as well. And I've also heard of intergalactic, um, which I have on my list to do some research on, but haven't, you know, dove into that topic specifically yet. But when I was little and growing up, I, my mom thought I had an imaginary friend. I never saw anything like physically, but I could feel something. And when you were talking about that partner, I had this partner, Michael, and I didn't, it wasn't until I got older that I realized it was Archangel Michael. Um, and he was like a protector for me. Yeah. And for a long, long time, I was like, my mom would say, oh, you remember your, you know, your imaginary friend? I'm like, I never had an imaginary friend. She's like, yes, you did. So I look at that because angels and have been very, especially the archangels and the ascended masters, yeah. something where I've just sensed the energy around, like helping kind of in the, in the background, helping with things. Right. I very do much agree with you that archangels aren't going to come in unless you've actually specifically asked them for something, whether it's protection or healing or so forth. But I do feel like and I love the way that you you explained it between the God source and then angel archangels not being here or having been in human form necessarily, because that does give you the difference between the divine beings. And I feel like there is that structure. We may not necessarily all understand it at once, but that we have so many resources at our disposal, both spiritually and energy-wise on a vibration standpoint that we can tap into and whatever feels right to you then that is what you're and what you're drawn to, then that's good because that's you're again living in your truth and being in your truth. So what might work for one person may not work for the other. But for me, it was definitely the angels and and my spirit guides. And my spirit guides, I usually kind of think of them as my ancestors, you know, like through past lives or they are on their own spiritual journey outside of being in a physical body Mm -hmm. (laughs) that then they are learning as well. So they're kind of our teachers, hence our guides. And they're kind of helping and assisting as well. And like you said, the changing of the guards, like you can change them up too. Like if they're not working for you, I had one teacher, one Reiki master teacher who was like, yeah, I got really mad at my guides one day and I just fired them all. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, you can do that. And she said, yeah, I just switched them all out. And then I felt bad. I'm like, okay. But <laughs> then, you know, when you start to practice it more and get into it, you're like, okay, you have so many choices that can you can make on a day-to-day basis. You can. I remember having a moment where I was like, my guardian angel is sucking. Like, you're fired. I want a new one. <laughs> Bring me a new one. Uh, I did the same yep. thing. Yeah. You know, and we also have ascended masters. So that's where we get into like Christ mm-hmm. and Buddha. Um, Dana is one. Bridget, like all these that we may not know about on a daily in and out. But we have these ascended masters that offer these sort of specialties. And they have achieved, based on their human experience, a more enlightened state and can offer that to us as well if we call on them. And how do you see this in the, because like we started out with with God and we talked about the hierarchy mm-hmm. and how there's different beings that are spiritual beings, if that's what we want to call them, that can help and guide us. But how does that in the psychic world translate, um, you know, into the type of work that you do or that others may look to, you know, hire somebody for certain services? Yeah. So, well, I'll say, I'm going to bring it to God for a second because if we go, mm-hmm. oh, angels are different than um, ascended masters are different than me or different than you or different than dogs or different than ultimately it's 
all from this pure source, be it God, be it Buddha, Allah, whatever the word is, but it, it stems from that same source. So there is no, ultimately, there is no difference at all. That's where we get into the energy of the oneness, right? Which is what God really is. So that's, I think, where it all kind of comes together. But then I think in our everyday world, especially in this human form, in this human world, we have the choices for where we would like our specialty to be. You know, we can decide, ooh, I would like to to work more with angels and be, you know, I like that. I enjoy that energy more. Ooh, I, I really enjoy this energy more of ascended masters, or I really enjoy this energy more of um, my spirit guides. I want to know what they have to say. So I think we have that free will choice as humans to figure out what it is we wish to learn and study. But I don't think there is any separation ultimately of anything. It all comes from the same place, which is also where we get into light, dark, shadow, you know, good, bad, evil, all that stuff. It all originates from the same place. Thank you for reminding me of that because uh, it's important. I didn't want it to seem as separation, but yes, Mm -hmm. bringing us back to what we said right at the front, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the front of this conversation is it's, it all is coming from one source and that unconditional love. And then from there, whatever that is um is how you are experiencing things and how things like translate and you can tap into your free will for your different experiences and the direction that you need to you feel like you need to be going in and um i would like to dive in about the light and dark Mm -hmm. um and give it because i've speaking of judgment a big piece of why i wanted the the show a psychic story is to share have others share their experiences about their journey because not everything is cookie cutter right you can't necessarily follow in some someone else's footsteps and as a result like i think just sharing our experiences is what helps other people feel more comfortable um, or feeling that they're not so alone in it. I really love the fact that nowadays, like more people are open to energy work and spirituality and everything else. Whereas like 20 years ago or so, um, when I got started, when you did (laughs) everything Uh else, that wasn't necessarily the case. But I still felt that there was this moment of I was holding myself in kind of a a psychic closet, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Because I was in the corporate world and I didn't want to, you know, necessarily be in my my full truth to share that. And I say that because I've also seen other spiritual leaders, energy workers and others kind of pivot from um, believing in that, in the angel realm and in God and in that sense. And then saying other things like tarot card readings and psychic readings and all these other things are evil. Yeah. And so love to hear your perspective about, again, how that fits into the intuitive psychic world and how these definitions, they they do exist, but at the same time, like I see it more as like a line of gray versus black and white. Right, right. Well, I think there's a lot of sort of personal feeling about these things. I've, I've heard too of several people who have been really open to metaphysical and then suddenly shifted and they were like, no, it's all evil and it's all bad. And I think they've had some kind of personal experience that has led them to believe that and that that's what they need to believe. And so that's why I go, okay, you know, it doesn't bother me. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you can see that. It's all a part of the spectrum, right? So ultimately, when we look at energy, we look at this evil, good, bad, um, don't do these, do these things or whatever. We're looking at a spectrum of energy. And on a spectrum of energy, if you're looking at a rainbow, because that's what we're looking at when we're looking at energy, we're looking at color, we're looking at vibration. And so we we don't need to necessarily play just up in the higher vibrations where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I just want to do six chakra, seven chakra, you know, on up. I just want to be in these higher realms. That takes out the red, the orange the yellow, the green, right? It takes out all the colors that create physicality, which is going to reduce their energy, which some people can feel as not good. So when we're really leaning into all that God offers, all that's in our world, we're leaning into that full spectrum of energy. And remember, God doesn't judge. People judge. So people make things wrong. People say, this is wrong, that's wrong, do it this way, don't do it that way. And that's that stuck in that seventh chakra ego judgmentalism part instead of really being open to the divine light that is all accepting. Does that make sense? Yes. I was just thinking about that (laughs) in that um, I, I guess I've always in my mind seen it as people are continuing to evolve to a higher vibration 
but that's not necessarily the case. And when I was listening to you, you, I don't want to say backtrack because again, it's not a judgment. It's just that you're ebbing and flowing throughout the course of what you need to go through to experience um, your growth. Yeah. Well, you know, there may be, so let's look at it just on an emotional level because we know emotions hold vibrations. So let's say that you're growing up and your parents say, don't get angry. You can't be angry. That's not good. Don't do that. That's bad. So you learn not to get angry. You're squashing a part of your vibration. It's a natural reaction to your surroundings and your experiences. And then let's say that you're in a relationship in which you're being mistreated. You're going to want to get angry about that. Because then you can take action, right? So then anger becomes a really healthy thing. Like I'm pissed enough to end it or I'm pissed enough to walk away or I'm angry enough to never do this again. You know, whatever it is, then it becomes a healthy thing. And then you might enter a spiritual phase where you go, wow, I don't want to feel angry at anyone. I'm not going to feel angry. And then maybe you put that aside and yet you're seeing injustice after injustice and you're not getting angry because you think that you have to be okay with everything. So then again, you have to have you have to have access to the full vibration, but be motivated and tapped in to that pure source energy that you are enough to know when to exercise it and to know when you are exercising it out of judgment instead of out of real love. Just because we're accepting or we're like, well, it's, it's okay that you have this viewpoint. It's okay that I have that viewpoint. That doesn't mean that I'm going to look across the street and if I see my neighbor beating a child, I'm going to be okay with her viewpoint of things. That is going to take action. Right. I'm going to get angry about that, <laughs> right? So basically, all all emotions and experiences aren't necessarily good or bad. They're just right for that moment, for that person at that time. That's it. Exactly it. And so our beliefs, I think we we come in and out of them. We we need to allow them to be evolutionary, right? To to flow because we learn new things. And we want to add that on. We want to integrate that experience. And if we get to a place where we shut down and we go, nope, God is only this, or Christ is only this, or I am allowed only this, then we're shutting out to what these other experiences are. So think about it like if you were, when you're in middle school, you're like, oh my God, a kiss. A kiss is everything. So I'm kissing. and like, that's it. That's all there is. If we stopped there, we would never have the joy of like sexual intercourse and experiencing someone else's experience of us. Right. So we don't want to, on any like spectrum, make something good or bad because then we're cutting off possible experiences. Yep. It's, um, it's, it goes back to what we were saying about trust the universe and kind of driving you and you be in the flow with it Mm -hmm. and not judging others or even yourself when you're having that, but just being the might in the right mindset of trying to catch yourself in that and see like, what am I, what is this lesson that I need to learn? Right in its simplest form. And in some cases, it may be a much larger thing that's going to take you time to process and, you know, experience it fully to grow from it. Right. And if someone's belief makes you really uncomfortable, I would sit with that before you attack or can we get curious instead of judgmental? You know, where can we be open instead of making something wrong? You know, unless we see harm being done to someone, something, an animal, something like that, that's a whole different ballgame because that's not... That's not godly, that's human. Yeah, I've had to take a little bit of a break on social media because of all the angry conversations and the emotions that are just out there. And it's not because one person's opinion is right or wrong in these cases, aside from what you said, if like somebody or an animal or or something else is happening and just, just generally flat out, not within your belief system, but ultimately like the energy coming off of it is um, I feel that people aren't necessarily given the right tools to express and or just be in that um, to take a second and take a moment, like you said, to just at least maybe not understand that viewpoint, but not be in judgment of it. Right. To allow it to be had or to be open enough to have a conversation about it. So a lot of conversations get shut down because we're already deciding what's right or wrong. Yeah, I'm going to be better about that. Because I think from a um, an empathic standpoint is that a lot of times if I'm feeling that energy, that sadness or somebody's other thing, and I feel like that it's not necessarily going to be a fruitful conversation, I kind of automatically shut it down because right. <laughs> I don't want to feel that pain or have that emotion. But I think that it's also not doing myself any good because like you just said, you're not necessarily allowing you to go to that next level or to experience a different perspective or a different situation that you may or may or may not um, have. Right, had. or to hear out the other person enough to have 
some kind of compassion or understanding for where they are or why they think the way they think, right? Because it can catapult us, maybe not into changing our mind, but it can catapult us into compassion or understanding that elevates us as well. Yeah. No, I love, love, love that. And I, um, I want to get into a little bit before we wrap up about what, so you mentioned that you really love the, this energy or the healing work and working with people and sharing, um, insights for leadership and growth. So what's like your favorite thing to do now? And, and, um, what can people experience if they, if they worked with you? So, you know, what I'm loving doing now is teaching, um, I'm just wrapping up an eight series course that was all about basics. So we, we had a course on mediumship. We had a course on energy healing. We had a course on past lives. We had a course on shamanism. We had, you know, chakras, like all these fun topics. That's been a really fun one. And then that'll be the one that will be available to purchase through my website too. My classes always are. But the one that I'm getting really excited about um, is coming up in September. I think it was in September 27th. And it's a nine-month in-depth course. So we meet once a month, two hours a month. It's virtual, obviously. And going into the chakras, all I work with the 12-chakra system, not the seven-chakra system. Um, so we do the seven in-body, like a traditional Hindu system, and the five out-of-body, as developed by Cindy Dale. Um, so the, going through those 12 chakras and talking about emotionally what's in the chakra center and like how it develops or what the traumas can be that sit there, how we heal those traumas and the healings for them. And then we talk about the intuitive gifts that sit in the chakras because we have our intuitive gifts all sit in our chakras. And so then we actually open the intuitive gifts in the chakras and how to work with those. And it's in-depth, so there's this tight, you know, group that gets really connected and we form a community. That's my favorite thing to do because we get really deep. There's a lot of participation and questions that get asked and people's lives are changing. I know I've gotten feedback with people saying, oh, I like my gifts are opening. I'm having dreams. I'm getting awarenesses. I'm getting messages. You know, it's so, that's so exciting. Um, I do offer one-on-one sessions that can be booked online and those are energy healing Session. So it's a conversation. I work through conversation because I can hear the truth of where someone is. And as we talk, the energy starts to get moved around within that person to create the opening or to let go of the energies that need to be let go of or to shift their perspective, just to bring them into more self-awareness. Because I do think self-awareness sits at the base of everything we do and every psychic or intuitive thing we do as well. Oh, that chakra class sounds really, really cool. Um, when are you going to have it open for people to sign up or what's that process look like? It's open now. It's open for registration. Oh, okay. Yes, on my website, com. There's a tab for online courses and you can go in there and look. It's called, um, it's, I think it's advanced. Oh, I should know the name of my own course and I don't. It's the advanced <laughs> one. So okay. it has advanced in the title. <laughs> and it's all about chakras and empowerment and intuition. Um, so you can just register, people can register right online. You can see the layout of the curriculum, the days and times that we meet, um, and what we talk about in each class, the kinds of meditations and healings that are included in each, ha- each class. And it's all live. The, you know, the first sign up is all live. So when people move through it live, they get to interact and ask their questions. We get to tailor it to what's needed. And then after the class wraps, I edit down the videos and then they're available for purchase so they can still get the class, but they don't get the live experience. So the next summer, that chakra class would be available in 2021. It would be available for purchase as a virtual class only. Oh, that's amazing. So you can get both. Like if you're, if the time commitment or for whatever reason you can't sign up in time, then you can listen to it afterwards as well and sign up. That's very cool. Yeah. And how many people um, are able to do the live one? So the live one, I usually cap around 35-ish because I want it small enough to get feedback because we also do a Facebook group where people can ask questions. We have ongoing conversations on there and it, it becomes a little bit harder to manage if there's too big a number. So I like to cap it on that 35 number. Okay. No, that's great. I was just thinking also selfishly for myself. I may want to sign up. I need a, re- I need a refresher. Oh, yeah. Look at it. The curriculum is really great. It's it's awesome curriculum. Like it's one of the things I get most excited about. Well, thank you so much. Is there before we end? Is there anything that you're feeling led to to share, um, like either a favorite book or tip for somebody um, that's listening that you feel like they need to hear? I will share my favorite book. So I love this book for um, opening. I think 
the way the book is written allows our seventh chakra to expand and open. And it's also a fascinating read. And that is Brian Weiss. Um, his book, Many Lives, Many Masters, or the book, Same Soul, Many Bodies. There is something magical in those books, specifically Many Lives, Many Masters, that just helps kind of open a person where they might not have been open. And so if there is a beginner or someone who's like not sure of things and looking to like, oof, what can I do here? Or what, how can I learn more? I would highly recommend Many Lives, Many Masters. And then I will say, if the spiritual journey ever becomes overwhelming, or you're not sure if you want to study chakras, or you want to study energy healing, or you want to study mediumship, or you feel pulled or confused by all the different directions, I would say focus in on self-awareness, because when we become self-aware, our intuitive gifts will naturally open. They can't not open. They just will, the more self-aware we are. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been such a beautiful conversation and I really enjoyed connecting with you and appreciate you sharing your story and, you know, your experiences and hope others feel the same way. And again, for people that are interested in reaching Dana, you can go to her website, DanaChildsIntuitive.com. It's also Dana Childs Intuitive on Instagram if you want to follow her there. And of course, I'll include the book recommendations and some other things, including a link to her class. Um, on in the show notes and you know and you can check it out there so thank you again Dana thank you for having me this has been a fun conversation yeah no I really appreciate it. it's given me a lot um, of things and tips that I need to start to practice on this weekend <laughs> myself so always time for healing right <laughs> yes exactly always time well thank you again and have hope you have a blessed rest of the day thank you you too all right bye hi my name is Paul I'm from Minnesota I just called to briefly tell you how much I appreciated hearing the podcast that you did with Ellen Malloy. It was very informative, interesting. Couldn't wait to hear the next detail. I will be speaking with Ellen and uh, I would not have known about her without your podcast. And uh, surprisingly, it was free. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. A Psychic Story has a 1-800 phone number now. You can call and leave a voicemail about any questions you may have, new topics you'd like to hear about, or even guests you want to hear more from. The number is 1-800-880-1881. That is 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you. Call and leave us a message. You may even be featured on a future episode.